1: Welcome to 12 Stone Home. Hope you're doing well across nine states. Hey, in our online community, we hope today is very encouraging to you. Hey, we're really, we're excited you're here. We think today is going to be a great time of singing together. And Steve is with us. Um, we're talking about heaven. And who doesn't want to talk about heaven? We're going to talk about what is what is heaven really Like, And we're about to have a conversation in a minute. It's pretty controversial. I'm going to invite some friends to come up in a second. So I can't wait for you to meet them. But here's the question. And this has been controversial on my Facebook page. Um, Do you or do you not watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? And if you do, why? And, oh, you're lame. And But if you love it, let's talk. If you don't love it, let's, yeah, well. Hey, have a conversation about that. Don't beat each other up. And we'll be back in a second. OK, OK. All right, all right, hey, all right. These are my friends. And before Hi. I even want you to, OK, Thanksgiving Day Parade. Dude, nah.
2: I don't we care. We do not watch
3: it. <laughs> Why am I so about I'll watch passionate it if it's on. This?
2: I won't if it's not. Anything. My family
3: has a tradition of watching the Lions, the Detroit Lions lose every year. OK, that's yeah. a horrible tradition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe get some new ones. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, this is Zach and Alex. They're my friends. And um, hey, I just, just tell them a little bit about yourself and uh, what's going on in your life. And I want them to get to know you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm Zach. This is my wife, Alex. We've been on staff at Twelve Stone for the past five-ish years. Okay. So I was a worship pastor. Okay. She was in students and kids. Yep. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Twelve Stone home leaders. Yeah. Yep. Stone home leaders that's, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah. During the,
1: I mean, during the um, shutdown, you guys actually led Twelve Stone home, right? That's yeah, right. Yeah, we did. That's right. It was
2: so awesome. We absolutely loved it. Yeah. Like. Yeah. It was incredible. Obviously, we loved, you know, leading at campuses, too, but being in a 12-stone home environment, the community that I
1: got, had. I got to come see you guys one Sunday that's right, for church right. in your apartment, and uh-huh. it was, like, packed in there. Yeah. And there was so much... Y'all did a lunch together, right? We did yeah, a, we always did a lunch. lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a ton and... of
2: them were musicians, too. Uh-huh. And so they would just, like, stay and play. Wow. Like, we have a piano, and they'd be on the
3: piano. Zach yeah, had Yeah, Karen guitar. Piper would like, come over there. Yes,
2: mm-hmm. Courtney would mac and cheese.
3: <laughs> and you got real ivories. <laughs> yes, yeah. real... 1903 Steinways. Yeah. so Amazing.
1: Uh, hey so listen just a, a pause here 12 stone home is basically it's a group of people that that worship weekly yeah and like you guys did in the apartment complex yeah. it's um some pubs and coffee shops and we actually obsess about how to love our neighbors yeah and um, so you're moving away from Atlanta to Charleston right that's yeah. right you're just that
3: that's right that's right that's the plan and uh we're super excited for it yeah you know uh, we're moving there and we actually move on Wednesday Okay. Can we tell cool. them where we're moving? Yeah. Okay, we're moving to
2: Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston, <laughs> South Carolina. <laughs> okay. we so I, excited. Oh,
3: yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we're going to be, I will be 1270 Homes' first city pastor. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you, David. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're gonna be my boss. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're really excited. You know, I heard this uh, quote yeah. from Rosaria Butterfield, and uh, let me just read it. But it said, what if our homes stopped being the places we hid from the world, but havens to which the world comes for healing.
1: Oh wow! And that
3: really just resonated with us. And uh, what our mission is for the city of Charleston, we want our home to be a place where the city comes for healing. Right. And that's right. what we want. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're
1: going to hear more from you guys yes. after, the, after the singing and. Um, Hey, we could not be more excited about these two. Uh, basically, your mission for the month of December is just to meet as many people and hang yep, out yep. with as many people as you can. Yep. And it, it, we really think that God is doing something fresh yeah. in and through His church. We love our campuses here at 12 Stone, but we also think around the country, 12 Stone Home, but actually specifically going to a city and saying, hey, let's do home churches yeah. in the That's city, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so hey, we're about to jump into worship and I've been thinking a lot, we're, we're starting with Table to the Lord. Yep. You know that song? Oh yeah, Have you led it. it? Oh yeah. It's a great song, Cam's leading us out today. And I've been thinking about Psalm 23 where, where a psalmist says that the Lord actually prepares a table for us. Yep. And just come in, we're, we're coming out of Thanksgiving, so just thinking mm. about being around the table and the fellowship and the relationship. There is a God who loves you that longs to have relationship yes, with you, and he is worthy of our praise. So let's jump into worship today and just enjoy it.
4: Hey, Church, 12-Song Home, live in the room. Why don't you stand with us? Today we get to celebrate the love of God. The verse says, because of his great love, God has made us alive in Christ Jesus. So we celebrate that love today. We celebrate the fact that we have a seat in heavenly places. We have a seat the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. He loves us so much. Let's pour our love out on Him today. So come on. You have my sin and have my shame. Thank you, Jesus. The cross is spoken. Come on. I am forgiven.
1: So Father, we thank you for your goodness and giving us Jesus. We thank you that we have a seat at the table of the Lord where where grace abounds. And we thank you that um, we get to sing hallelujahs to you. We get to praise you because you're worthy. Mm -hmm. You're so worthy of our praise. And so God, we thank you for what you're doing in Charleston and how you're moving um, there. We, um, Father, just just guide us, direct us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, so welcome, 12 Stone Home, um, online community. We're so glad you're here. I introduced them earlier, but this is Zach and Alex, and they're my friends. Hey. Aren't you my?
3: Yeah. No, you're my friend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So,
1: yeah, we're. I have to say that we're really excited um, because Zach is going to be our first ever city pastor. Yes. And what that means is we're actually praying that God raises up uh, women and men to move to Mm -hmm. a city and start Twelve Stone Home in the city, actually intentionally pursuing people, Mm -hmm. building relationships, all those. So tell them. What was the next month look like for you
2: guys? Yeah. yeah. Well, last week we went because we've actually got family in Charleston, okay. which is really cool. Is so great. we had Thanksgiving there. We got an apartment. Woohoo! Yeah. amazing. We're excited about yeah. that. So on Wednesday, we actually move all of our stuff there. But okay. what's cool is we actually already got to meet some of How our neighbors. How much stuff do you have? Too much? too much, but we sold a lot. We had to get rid of so
1: much stuff. <laughs> okay, okay. we did.
2: We sold quite a bit, so yeah. that's good. Yeah. Um, but we actually got to meet a couple of our neighbors last week. So okay, we already okay. have like dinners and lunches. So
1: neighbors us. actually in Charleston. You already yeah. met them. Yes. Uh-huh. Isn't oh, that yeah. cool? That's, that's, that's amazing. Cool. Yeah,
2: so we're excited about that. Um, I'm a photographer, so I've got to get some clients. That's right. on the yeah. docket.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, and then Zach, we want to get you a job, right?
3: That's That's right. That's right. I was just telling David that the words that God has been speaking to us in this whole entire Process is risky faith. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. And so we're going to Charleston. I'll be working with 12 Stone Home. Okay, so
1: you're bivocational? But but I will yeah. be yeah.
3: bivocational yeah. as well. So the point is that we would go in there and I would get a job in the city that we want to reach, mm-hmm. that uh, we want people to experience the love of Jesus through us. Good. That's really good. So, yeah, but one thing we love about 12 Stone Home, not just
1: in Charleston, around the country, is the idea of conversation. That's right. We think there's a lot of people out there who may not be Mm -hmm. willing to go to a church building like the one we're in now. But they want to be in a a conversation. So one thing we love to do, like even right now, is have a conversation. Yeah. All of you who are part of 12 Stone Home, you, you recognize this. But I think we have a very interesting question, especially for you guys. So yeah. Alice, what's the question today? So
2: I've thought so much <laughs> about this, but the question today is, when you get there, what are you most excited for in retirement?
1: <laughs> retirement, yeah, so let me give some, yeah. yeah it give feels like context. a curve ball. So Steve's <laughs> talking about heaven today and he's talking about just our times in our life. What's What's next for us, what's yeah. next for us? So maybe I should answer this question. Maybe. You're, You're closer, closer than us. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> a, a lot little closer, bit closer. Baby. Hey, have a great conversation. We'll be right back. Okay, so any thoughts on your retirement? Okay. I got nothing. And start playing I got early. Nothing. We <laughs> want to play. travel. Travel? I, to the, well, I don't we're, know. We're going to
2: live by the beach already. Right,
1: so. We're going to be by the beach. Right. <laughs> okay, so it's time. We're going to turn the corner from Thanksgiving. And I think Steve's actually starting by talking about what he believes is like the best holiday, which is Christmas. I don't know if I'm there yet, but um, let's jump to the teaching.
0: Hey, well, uh, I'm excited for this morning, and one of the reasons I'm excited is because today we are less than a month away from Christmas. It's here. Uh, Listen, if you don't know this about me, I love Christmas. In fact, Christmas is my favorite season. And just out of curiosity, here across the campuses, 12 Stone Home, how many of you would say Christmas is your favorite holiday? Raise your hand. Yeah, that's it. Those are my people right here. And by the way, if you didn't raise your hand, I hope three ghosts come and visit you tonight, (laughs) okay? Um, Christmas is amazing. And chances are, if you raised your hand and you're like me, when you think of Christmas, this is the image you get in your head. It's like warm and cozy and there's Christmas lights and Christmas decorations and you got all the Christmas movies that you watch and the Christmas music that you listen to on repeat and when you close your eyes you can see visions of sugar plums. We don't even know what sugar plums are, but you see them, right? It's like, I love Christmas. And so this is what you think of when I say Christmas. But maybe for some of you, when I say the word Christmas, this is the image you get in your head. It's, it's the in-laws, right, and you got your own cousin Eddie, and you've got all these obligations of things that you have to do this time of year, and there's the work party that you don't really want to go to, but you feel like you have to, and then you got to spend all this money, and there's traffic. Oh, my goodness, is there traffic, especially if you live around the Mall of Georgia, and when you think of this time of year, this is the image that you have in your head. And see, what's interesting is when I say the word Christmas, you have an image in your head, and immediately based on that image, you have an emotion that rises up in you that makes you either really look forward to it, or you dread it. Here's another one. Uh, When I say the word Disney World, what do you think of? Okay? Okay. Some of you just got really excited, okay, because when you think of Disney World, this is the image that you have in your head. It's the most magical place on earth, and everything is going to be great, and you have all the memories of when you went to Disney World, and when you close your eyes, you can taste the Dole Whip, and you can hear it's a small world after all, and I've talked to some of you, okay. You reorient your whole life around the next time that you can go to Disney World, because this is what you think of when I say Disney World. But for some of you, when I say Disney World, this is the image that comes to your head. Yeah, long lines, and it is hot, oh my gosh, it is sweltering, and the only relief that you get from the sun is when it rains, and it will rain every single day that you are there at Disney World, and then your socks are going to be wet, and the kids are going to be complaining, and everyone's going to be at each other's throats, and it's, have I mentioned, it's expensive, it is so, you have to take out a second mortgage just to think about going to Disney World, okay? It is crazy, so when you think of Disney World, this is the image that comes to your head. And see, based on that image, you have emotions that rise up in you that make you either really look forward to it or kind of dread it. Okay, one more. What do you think of when I say the word heaven? How many of you, when you think of heaven, you have an image like this? Fat babies with wings, right? It's like... Here's what's funny. This this image right here literally is in my grandmother's bathroom. So growing up around the holidays, when I would go to the bathroom at grandma's house, I was like, I guess that's where I'm going when I die, you know? Am I going to be a fat baby with wings? Like, I don't really know how it works. But for some of us, when we think of heaven, this is what we think of. Or maybe for you, when you think of heaven, this is what you think of. It's all of us in choir robes, and we're just singing songs for all of eternity. It's the Christian version of the song that never ends, right? It just, it goes on and on, my friends, you know, like it keeps going over and over. And for some of you, it's like, that's not my version of heaven. That's my version of hell. Thank you very much. But that's what we think of when we think of heaven. Or maybe for you, when you think of heaven, this is the image that comes to mind. It's like there's clouds, and I think there's a stairway, and it's kind of this nondescript place, and we become these like floating orbs that somehow get up into the atmosphere, and this is the image that we have when we think of heaven. See, when I say the word heaven, there's an image that comes to mind, and based on that image, you have emotions that rise up in you that causes you to either really look forward to it, or maybe even dread it. So is is this what heaven is? I mean, is it really fat babies with wings and clouds and harps and St. Peter at the pearly gates? In other words, what what if we're missing it? What if heaven is different than what we think of when we think of heaven? So today, the question that I want to go after is, what is heaven like? What is heaven like? So for the rest of our time together, we're going to talk about Heaven. Now, um, as we talk about heaven, there's two quick disclaimers that I got to give you. Okay, because for some of you, you might have a question when I say we're going to talk about heaven. So the first disclaimer is this. No, I've never been to heaven. Okay, I've never had a crazy dream. I didn't have a near-death experience. Okay, so everything I'm going to share with you today is what has been shared with me. In other words, everything that I want you to know about is actually secondhand information from Scripture. One of the main things that we're going to lean into is this moment where the resurrected Jesus actually appeared to the Apostle uh, John At, John was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He was actually in the, in the inner circle with Jesus. He was really Jesus' right-hand man. And a few decades after Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus showed up in person to the apostle John. And in the book of Revelation, we find out John actually passes out. And I'm sure you would, too. It's like he was kind of scared. And then when he finally came to, Jesus was like, before I lose you, okay? I want you to see heaven. So I'm going to let you see heaven before you actually go to heaven. And everything I'm about to show you, I want you to write down so that everyone that gets this letter is able to know what heaven is actually like. So that's what we're leaning into today. Not because I've been there, but because I trust John. Now, the second disclaimer, when we talk about heaven, there's so much that we could say. Okay. But for the sake of time, we've really got to narrow our focus to just what is heaven Like, okay, so we're not going to talk about the tribulation, and we're not going to talk about the signs of the end times, and I know that you're really curious about all those things, so you can send me your questions directly, okay, just email me at jason.berry at 12stone.com, and I'll get all those (laughs) questions for you, okay, so we're not going to talk about that, but what we are going to talk about is what is heaven like, now for some of you, when I even ask the question, you already disagree with me, because you would say, well, I don't believe in heaven. Or at least you say, you don't believe in heaven. But here's what's interesting. There was a Pew Research study done last year, November 23rd of 2021, that found out that 73% of Americans believe in heaven. Not Christians, Americans. So people from all different walks of life and nationalities and religion, the majority believe in heaven. And here's what's most fascinating about that study. There was a, a group called the unaffiliated. Okay, These were the people that don't claim any religion. These are the atheists and agnostics. And 37% of the unaffiliated believe in heaven. Meaning there's people that would say, Well, I don't believe in God, but, but I believe in heaven. See, because I think even if we might say we don't believe in heaven, there's something deep in us that hopes that it's real, that maybe even deep down believes that it's real. And then when you get on an airplane and there's turbulence, no matter what you say about heaven, you begin to believe in it a little bit more. Or when you go to a funeral, or when the doctor gives you a note, all of a sudden what we said we believed about heaven really matters. So today we're talking about what is heaven like. And not only do I believe we think about and believe in heaven when we're faced with our own mortality, but also in the everyday moments of life. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to take just a moment to talk about the here and now, and that's going to set a little bit of context for what heaven is actually like. Because when you think about the here and now, the everyday moments of life, it probably sounds a lot like this. Things aren't as they should be. Right? I mean, we get that. I don't have to convince you of that. All you got to do is turn on the news or look on Twitter, and immediately you go, this isn't the way things should be, right? It's like things aren't as they should be. So chances are for you, you've probably had an experience that sounds something like this. When you were in high school, you had all the pressure and the stress of the tests and the exams and the teachers and the peer pressure, and you started thinking, well, this isn't the way that it should be. I know what'll solve it. Once I graduate from high school, everything is going to be better. So sure enough, you graduate from high school, and now you don't have the stress of exams and peer pressure and teachers, Um, and you're young, right? You got your whole life ahead of you, but now the problem is you're poor. You don't have any money. And so you're like, well, that's not the way that it should be, so what do you do? Well, you get a job, okay? And then once you get a job, you're like, well, I'm not poor anymore, but now i got a different problem. Now I'm lonely. Things aren't as they should be. I know what will solve it. I need to get married. So then you get married, and you're not lonely anymore. But there's 99 other problems you got, right? And it's like y'all are like fighting with one another and you're like, that's not who I married and why on earth isn't this going the way that I think it should go? Things aren't as they should be. And you've got all these issues and then you go, ooh, we've got these issues. Things aren't as they should be. I know what will solve it. Kids. Which I'm like, where did that come from, right? Like if you and your spouse are fighting, how is adding more selfish humans to the mix gonna make it better? but that's, I've got three kids. So anyways, that's what we did as well. So then you have kids and now you're really not lonely. Also, you're now out of money again and you're exhausted all the time. And you're like, well, things aren't as they should be. So then you start going, I know what'll solve it. Once the kids get older, then everything will be as it should be. And sure enough, when they get older and you've advanced in your career a little bit, now you've got a little bit more money. Now, um, now you don't have the pressure of young kids, but now the problem is your kids aren't talking to you the way they used to talk to you and not only that but but your shoulder hurts and so does your knee and you make noises when you sit down you know (laughs) listen I threw out my back for the first time when I was 30 years old you want to hear the story Um, there was a screw that was on the ground and I bent down to pick it up And that's the story. Okay. And I'm like, what is wrong with my body? Like how on earth is this happening? Things aren't as they should be. And then you start justifying and you go, I know what the problem is. I'm working too much. I'm sitting in the office chair too much. I'm not spending enough time with my kids. So I know what'll solve it. Once I retire, then I'll have all the time in the world. I won't have the, you know, the desk job anymore. I won't have the pressure to stay away from my kids. Once I retire, everything will be as it should be. So then sure enough, you retire. And then you have money, and you've got options, but now the problem is you've realized you've lived more of your life than you have left, and time is running out, and your body is wearing down, and you go, things aren't as they should be, and I think that thought, things aren't as they should be, is actually a signpost pointing to heaven, longing for the day when things are as they should be. And this is exactly what the writer of Ecclesiastes said. This is what he said in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says, I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. What's the burden? We already know this. Things aren't as they should be. That's a big burden. But then look at the next sentence. He has made everything beautiful in its time. In other words, things aren't as they should be, but I know what should be. So what on earth is happening and why can't we get there? And then the next sentence, he has also set eternity. In the human heart, God has lodged inside of you and me a longing for heaven, whether we realize it or not. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So every time you think things aren't as they should be, it's the longing that God himself has put inside of you for heaven. So what is heaven like? Heaven is things are as they should be. That's what we long for, that's what God put inside of us, and that's what heaven is like. So here's what I need you to do. We're going to talk about heaven, and I need you to put aside every thought that you have about heaven. You can pick it up at the end of the sermon, but for right now, set it aside, because I want to talk about heaven as things are as they should be. So first, things are as they should be. It's progress without setbacks. Do you know God designed you and me to make progress? God designed us on purpose for a purpose, and we are most alive when we're living out that purpose. God designed us to accomplish things. You know the feeling you get when you had a really great day at work when you actually made progress? Or the feeling you get when you've actually made a difference? God put that inside of you, and that doesn't go away in heaven. In fact, it's even better. God designed you to have purpose in heaven. It's progress without setbacks. And yet normally when we think of heaven, we think we're going to be like chilling on a cloud, watching reruns of earth, you know? And it's like skip the 2020 season. I think the writers went on strike, you know? It's like, you know, that's what we think of. But God designed us on purpose for a purpose to make a difference, to make progress. One evidence of that actually is if you remember from the beginning when, when God created Adam and Eve and he put them in Eden. Do you remember what Eden was? Was, was Eden a garden or a city? Yeah, it was a garden, right? Well, when Jesus peels back the curtain and shows John heaven, John actually sees heaven, and in the middle of heaven is Eden. But Eden is no longer a garden. It's a city now. Why? Because there's progress happening. You and I are a part of that. There's actually purpose that we have in heaven. Not only that, it's adventure without exhaustion. And for a lot of us, when we think of heaven, we think it's gonna be boring. And the good news for today is that God designed you and I for exhaustion. He knows the thrill that you get, um, uh, not exhaustion, sorry. He, he designed us for adventure. He knows the thrill you and I get when there's adventure. But most of the time here on earth, we're faced with exhaustion. So every adventure that we want to do, we're faced with either money exhaustion, we ran out of money, so we can't actually do it, time exhaustion, we ran out of time, or we just don't have the time. So so we can't do it, or physical exhaustion, my body can't keep up, so I can't have that adventure. Well, What is heaven? Heaven is that adventure without exhaustion. So imagine your craziest thing on your bucket list. Let's say it's climbing Everest, and right now you're like, well, I can't climb Everest. I don't have the time. Well, guess what? In heaven you do. There's no time exhaustion. You're like, well, I don't have the money. No, there's no financial limitations either. Well, I don't know if my body can keep up. Yes, it can. You have a resurrected body in heaven. You can go climb Everest. And that's the beginning of what you can do because there is adventure without exhaustion. Not only that, there's pleasure without regret. And as Christians, we have a weird, a weird view of pleasure. In fact, even now when I say pleasure, you good Christians out there, you're kind of wincing a little bit. You're like, I don't know that he can say pleasure on stage, you know? I don't think, I don't think that's allowed. It's like somehow we've decided that pleasure is inherently bad, so when we think about heaven, we've removed all the pleasure out of it. And if anything, that's what we think of when we think of hell. It's like, well, hell is where the pleasure is, but it's really bad. I mean, it's kind of fun, but it's really bad, you know? And that's what we think of. See, I, I was... Talking to a guy who recently um, surrendered his life to Jesus, and we we're talking about, uh, we were talking about fighting lust and fighting for purity, and I looked at him and I asked a question. I said, "Hey, who invented sex?" And without missing a beat, he looked at me. And he said, "The devil." <laughs> Church, I've got some great news for you today. No, he didn't. Okay, God invented it. He's the one that thought of it. He knows how it works. Nothing's a surprise to him. He's not embarrassed by it, okay? And according to Genesis chapter 1, it is good, all right? And all the married people said, amen. And if you're not, then just you wait, okay? But anyways, (laughs) God's the one that thought of it. God is the inventor of pleasure. It came to his mind before it was a reality. But you know who the inventor of regret is? Well, that's the devil. And yet he has lied to us and convinced us that you can't have pleasure without regret, that the two are one in the same and that he is the inventor of both. But he's not. He's not. So what is heaven? What is heaven like? It's pleasure without regret. Okay, I'm going to speed through the last three. It's relationships without heartache. It's... um. See, there's a lot of joy that we get from being in relationship with one another, and God designed you that way. He created us for relationship, and yet for most of us, even when we think of our most intimate relationships, there has been heartache. And maybe for some of you, that heartache has actually caused you to have a fear of commitment, or you avoid intimacy, because the heartache is too great, and you don't want to go down that path again. And so what is heaven? Heaven is the joy of relationship without any of the heartache. It's relationships that are perfect with each other and with God. What is heaven like? It's family without funerals. Can you imagine? No cancer, no hospital waiting rooms, no ventilators. No questions of how much longer does he have. Nope. No funerals. It's life without pain, without physical pain, without emotional pain. And see, when when John got a glimpse of heaven, here's just a, a taste of what he wrote about. He said, God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This is what heaven is like. Why? Because the old order of things has passed away. What is the old order of things? Well, you already know it. Things aren't as they should be. The old order of things is right now, things not being as they should be. But what John is saying is, no, 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 but then there's going to be a new order. There's going to be a new reign. There's going to be a new king. And he will usher in all the no mores. No more death or mourning or crying or pain. See, heaven is life. Things are as they should be because Jesus is king. That's the reason that things are as they should be. In fact, this is the way it was at the beginning. When God created Adam and Eve, God was king and everything was as it should be. There was no knee pain. There was no cancer. There was adventure without exhaustion. There was progress without setbacks. There was pleasure without regret. This is the way it was in the beginning. Until Adam and Eve decided they didn't want God to be their king anymore. And don't miss this. God, in his kindness... Gave them exactly what they asked for life without the king, God's world without God's rule, things not being as they should be. See, all year we've been walking through the Jesus Storybook Bible. We've been tracing the beginning of human history and God's role in it, specifically the story of Jesus as it weaves in and out of every Old Testament and New Testament narrative. And time and time again, we've seen this pattern play out where we resist the king and then we suffer the consequences. We resist the king and then things aren't as they should be. So Adam and Eve resisted the king and they lost paradise. And then the people of God, Israel, well, they resisted the king and they fell into captivity. And then 2,000 years ago, the people had the king in their midst. And what did they do? They crucified him. And every day that we resist the king, we suffer the consequences of regret and pain and shame and setback. But one day, God's going to say no more. And he will set everything right with Jesus being king. That is the biggest thing that is as it should be. In fact, I love the way the Jesus Storybook Bible describes it. Look at this. This is Jesus as king. I see a throne. And on the throne is a king. And the king is Jesus. All around the throne, people are bowing down. They are giving him their treasures. There are loud cheers and clapping, clapping and bright laughter like a thousand waterfalls. And everyone bursts out singing a new song. This is our king, the lamb who died, so we don't have to. Our rescuer, all honor and glory forever and ever. And every creature everywhere in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and in the sea, joins in. And then from all around, a wide, immense, beautiful silence. And I see Satan God's horrible enemy thrown down and defeated. Satan is defeated. Why? Because Jesus is king. Everything is as it should be. Why? Because Jesus is king. No more death or mourning or crying or pain. Why? Because Jesus is king. Listen, heaven doesn't just include Jesus. Heaven revolves around Jesus. There's even a beautiful picture that John paints for us where he says there's no temple in heaven. You want to know why? Because God is there. There is no sun or moon to light up the place. You want to know why? Because God is there. Because Jesus is king. Listen, heaven without Jesus isn't heaven. Heaven without Jesus isn't heaven. Heaven doesn't just include Jesus. It revolves around Jesus. And so those verses, the no more death or crying or mourning or pain, all that stuff, I want to show you the context of that. I want to jump one verse right ahead of that verse. Look at how it starts. It says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne. Why? Because Jesus is king. He says this, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Do you see how Jesus-centered heaven is? And then he goes on. And it says, so this is what Jesus is going to do. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Notice he doesn't say there's no tears. It says Jesus himself is going to wipe your tears. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne, King Jesus, said, I am making everything new. The reason that things are as they should be is because I'm making everything new. The reason there's no more death or mourning or crying or pain, the reason it's everything you and I long for is because Jesus is in his rightful place as King. And deep down, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, isn't that what you long for? Haven't you had those moments like in the middle of worship, we're singing a song, and all of a sudden, you can't control it. You just get emotional, and you start thinking about all that God has done for you, and all that God has given you, and what Jesus means to you. And you start, maybe some of you may, you start crying. I've, I've talked to many of you, it's like, I don't understand it. They play the first note, and I immediately start crying, right? We get emotional when we start thinking about the reality of Jesus. So can you imagine being face-to-face with your Savior? The one you spent your whole life pursuing, the one you trusted, the one you reoriented your life around. Can you imagine? You're going to see him one day. And I love hugs. (laughs) I'm a huggy person. So I just imagine just giving Jesus like a giant hug and telling him, I love you so much. It's so good to see you i have waited heaven without Jesus isn't heaven. The thing that we long for most is Jesus, and we will get to be with Jesus, King Jesus, forever. And I don't want to gloss over that truth of forever. And so, so I know this is really basic, but just bear with me. Heaven is forever, and this is really important for us to get today heaven is forever. Now, forever is a long time that none of us understand because none of us have lived forever. Have you? No. Uh, Me neither, okay? So we have a really hard time with it. So just bear with me for a second as we start to imagine what forever actually looks like. Um, Remember when you were in high school, maybe 16, 17 years old? It felt like life was really the first 18 years of your life. It's like the timeline of your life was something like this, right? I'm going to live 18 years, and and look at how big of a chunk high school is, right? High school is the big Deal. So, of course, your worth rises and falls based on what people think of you when they're, you know, when you're in high school, right? Like, of course, it matters whether or not she says yes or he says yes to you, right? Because come on, high school is the big deal. Of course, it matters whether or not you get cut from the team or what your grades are like. Of course, it matters because high school is the big deal. And this is what life looks like when you're in high school. But then you graduate. And then you get married and you have a job and you have kids and all of a sudden you start to realize, well, life is bigger than I thought it was. In fact, life is statistically, it's going to be around, I don't know, 80 years long. So you start thinking about your life and it looks something like this. And I'm not saying high school isn't a big deal. No, high school is a big deal. It's just not the biggest deal. You know what I mean? Like it's a a portion of my life, but you want to know what the biggest deal is? Come on, it's retirement. It's the golden years, right? It's the last 18 or so years of your life. Like, this is when you finally get to do all the things that you've wanted to do. This is when you finally get to be with the kids and the grandkids like you've always wanted. This is when you don't have the obligation of work. This is when you can go travel. And if you like golf, you can go play golf or you can really go do whatever you want because retirement is the big deal. And so because it's the big deal, what do we do? Well, we reorient our whole life around it. And I gotta make sure I'm investing in my retirement, right? And I gotta make sure I get a job where they have a good 401k or a good pension. And sometimes we'll literally move our whole family across the country chasing what it takes to have what we need for retirement. It's the reason we want our kids to get scholarships, right? It's like, I don't want to spend money and you don't want to spend money here, right? Like, I want to make sure that I've got enough in my nest egg because retirement is the big deal and we reorient our whole life around it. Now that's if life is 80 years long. But heaven is forever. But just because we can't imagine forever, I just want you to pretend this isn't true, but just pretend that heaven is only a thousand years long. If heaven was a thousand years long, this is what your timeline would look like. There it is. You see that little sliver? That was high school. (laughs) And then there's a bigger sliver. It was bigger than high school, but that was retirement. And then that's the rest of your existence. Or what if it was 10,000 years long? Can you, I hope you can see this through your camera. It's right there. See, we look at these things like they're a big deal. And I'm not saying they're not a big deal. They're just not the biggest deal. This is the biggest deal. So in light of how big eternity is, in light of how long heaven is, we begin to realize something. Life is short. It's just a little sliver over there. Life is short. And if you've been to a funeral recently, you know that this is true. That life is short. See, as a pastor, I go to a lot of, um, a lot of funerals. I've been to funerals of... Um, People who are in their 80s, a few years ago, I went to a funeral of a little two-year-old boy. I did a, uh, I officiated a funeral one time for a 17-year-old girl on this stage right here. We did my dad's funeral when he was 64, right after he retired. And when you walk away from a funeral, even if you don't believe in Jesus, you begin to recognize that life is short. Jason said this a few weeks ago. He said, eternity is a breath away. And I would add to that, everyone spends eternity somewhere. Everyone spends eternity somewhere, either with King Jesus because of what Jesus did for you and I dying on the cross to open up the gates of heaven for sinners like you and like me or we spend eternity separated from King Jesus where God once again gives us exactly what we want eternity without the king but everyone spends eternity somewhere So the last question for today and then we'll wrap up. What if it's true? What if what John saw was true? What if heaven really is as we described it? What if heaven really is forever and life really is short and everyone spends eternity somewhere? See I think if this is true changes everything. Things that we thought were a big deal or the biggest deal are now no longer the biggest deal. Eternity becomes the biggest deal. So if you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, if this is true, it changes everything. Because, how easy is it for us, even as followers of Jesus, to believe that this life is all there is? And so, I got to make sure the kids are good. I got to make sure retirement's good. I got to make sure my job is good. I got to make sure our finances are good. And we spend all of our time, all of our energy, all of our money around the 80 years that we have, and it's a sliver. And this is forever. How much time and energy and money do we spend investing in retirement and I'm not saying retirement doesn't matter okay listen full disclosure my wife and I are investing money in retirement for us but that's not the only thing we're investing in because we know that retirement is a pit stop not the destination it's just a pit stop so yeah we want to have a little bit of money but this is what I want to invest in. This is what I want to see changed. If everyone spends eternity somewhere, then I want to give my life to that. I want to give my finances to that. I want to give everything to that. It's not that retirement isn't the biggest deal or isn't a big deal, it's just not the biggest deal. Or what about with our kids? Listen, we've got three kids and life gets crazy and it's all that we can do to just keep up with what's going on in their life. And for many of you, you know the drill. It's taking them to and from practice and making sure they're studying. Or if you got young kids, it's the sight words that you're working on and you want to make sure everything in their life is good and did you clean the room and is everything good? And we spend all of our time and all of our energy around their 80 years that they may or may not have here on earth. And the whole time we forget that everyone spends eternity somewhere Our kids are going to spend eternity somewhere. So I'm not saying don't take them to practice or don't talk about baseball. I'm just saying, what if we also talk to our kids about eternity? What if we also talked about King Jesus with our kids? What if they knew beyond the shadow of a doubt? Now my parents care about my grades and yeah, my my parents care about how good I do on the ball field and yeah you know my parents care about you know what kind of job I get in the future but can I tell you what what they really care about they cannot stop talking about Jesus it's like their whole life is about him I think if this is true it changes how we view church PK mentioned this a few weeks ago that church is a rescue station it's where people discover the love of God through Jesus. It's where people's eternities change, because everyone spends eternity somewhere. So when we talk about inviting, it's not just here's a card. It's not just, no, you should sit in a seat because we want a lot of people there. Who cares about that? This is what matters. Your neighbors is going to spend eternity somewhere. Your mom is going to spend eternity somewhere. Your siblings are going to spend eternity somewhere. That's why inviting matters, because we know what the biggest deal is. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, if this is true, it changes everything. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, and this is true, (laughs) I think it changes everything. Because you're going to spend eternity somewhere And maybe today, as you get a view of heaven and a view of King Jesus, your perspective on who Jesus is has changed. In fact, that's the the whole reason that Jesus showed John this glimpse of heaven. Right before Jesus peeled back the curtain and said, I want you to see heaven, he told us why he wanted John to see heaven. Look at Jesus' words in Revelation 3. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. In other words, God wants you to see heaven clearly God wants you to see Jesus clearly. Maybe the whole reason that you came to church today or you showed up to your 12 stone home is because Jesus has invited you in and you know what he's doing? I'm here Here I am And I died to secure a spot in heaven for you. So would you open the door and let me be king of your life? So today, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, I wanna give you a chance to respond, to say in view of eternity, I want my here and now to change. So God, I pray right now that you would soften our hearts Help us see eternity as it actually is. Help us see heaven. Help us see King Jesus. And so if you're a Christian and today you would confess, I've been living for the here and now, I've made my whole life around the here and now, but now I see heaven, now I see Jesus, and I want that to change starting today. If that's you and you're a Christian and you want to start living for eternity with eternity in view, would you just stand up right now? I want to pray for you that's you and you say I've just been living for the here and now here across the campuses if you're at 12 stone home if it's easier you can just slip up a hand and say I don't want to just live for the here and now I want to live for eternity and so God I pray for my friends the brave men and women here across the campuses at 12 stone home they're saying I don't want to just live for here and now I want my priorities to change I want my family to change. I want my life to change. So God, would you whisper to them what they need to go do? Would you give them wisdom to know what to do and the courage today? The same courage it took to stand, would you give them the courage to go do it? In Jesus' name, amen. And now for those of you that are, maybe you walked in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus You haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, but today in view of eternity, you go, Jesus is knocking and I want to let him in. If that's you and you're not a follower of Jesus, but today you want to follow him, I want to pray for you. So would you just stand up here across the campuses at 12 Stone Home, you can slip up a hand. If that's you and you want to make that decision, you just stand up. And now let me pray. And you follow along with the words on this screen. God, I've tried to be king of my own life, but today, I'm ready to make Jesus my king. I believe that Jesus died for me so that I could be forgiven. And I believe he rose again so that I could be in heaven with him. From now on, for the rest of my days, I commit to follow Jesus as the new king of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church family, what does all of heaven do when even one person says yes to Jesus? Come on. So here's how I want to wrap up today, and the pastors are going to be praying for you. I want to show you the second to last verse in the entire Bible. Second to last verse in Revelation. As John sees heaven clearly, Jesus says one more thing to him he who testifies, that's Jesus, says, yes, I am coming soon. And John's response and our response is, amen. Come Lord Jesus.
1: Okay, pretty exciting stuff. I I love the simple truth that God is at work in our life, that through his word he teaches us, that life is not about here, but it's about eternity. And yeah. I, I'm right. excited. I bet some of you came to know Jesus today, mm. and that's really exciting. And we're gonna pray for you, um, just as Steve it Hey, if you did um, come to know Jesus, would you text JESUS to 37748? We'd love to have a conversation with you. And and by the way, maybe you're just curious and you wanna, like, we talk a lot about conversation yeah. today. Yeah. And so, hey, would you just pray for
3: people just I'd thank God to. for working their lives, yeah. yeah. So Lord, we, uh, we just thank you right now God, thank you that you have invited us in. Lord, and I just pray that today, would you give us eternal perspective. Mm. God, would you uh, begin to even move in the hearts Mm -hmm. of every person in a 12-stone home right now. God, and remind us that you are king. And God, we just confess that right now too. Jesus, you are king. Lord, so we worship you, God, and we thank you for all that you're doing all across America, God, all across the world through this, Lord. So we love you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So if you were with us earlier, I hope you were, you you heard that Zach and Alex are moving to Charleston,
1: South Carolina. Zach's gonna be city pastor. And actually, uh, it's about heaven, right? It's a a little Uh taste of heaven in the here and now, not just in the future. And that's what you guys are bringing through relationships and and those kind of things. And we just want to say to you, if you know somebody in Charleston, or if you're in Charleston or within, a 45 minute to hour drive. Yeah, that's right. They would love to get to know you. And so um, you can text home to 37748, and you guys are just building relationships. We, wow. we believe that God is doing something unique mm-hmm. around the country, but especially in the city of Charleston yeah. as you guys meet people and invite people to your table yeah. mm-hmm. um, to kind of talk about who Jesus is and, and help them grow in that. So, hey, it's all conversation, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of the right. theme of the day. <laughs> and So I um, wanna we'll have a conversation at the end, and I, I love the way Steve kind of went that, um, it's Adventure Without Exhaustion.
5: Mm.
1: Y'all remember, y'all weren't, yeah, anyway. So <laughs> Adventure Without Exhaustion. But anyway, there's a whole list of things there. But I'm just curious, when, when you, as you listen to Steve today, think about what you heard and you thought, you know what, that's what I'm most looking forward to in heaven. Mm-hmm. And have that conversation. And um, as always, the leaders will lead that out well. Hey, we love you guys. Love you guys. Yeah. And uh, text home to 37748 and get to know them. And um, yeah, let's go to Charleston. Let's do, do it. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Hey, have a great day
2: again